Welcome to Chapter Surfing. I'm your host, Lenny Burnham, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the HBO drama Game of Thrones, based on the series A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing on the first season of the show and the first book, uh, but we might get into other plot points, so please expect spoilers from the whole series. And I am so excited about my guest for this episode. We've got uh, Jack Allison from Jack AM and Struggle Sessions. Hi. Hi there. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so can you take me through the sort of chronology of uh, when you started watching the show and when you first read the book sure. and all that? Well, I I, re- I I really enjoyed the first season on HBO. Um, I had never really read any of the Song of Ice and Fire uh, uh, books before the series. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to continue the story after I w- watched the first season. So actually, um, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that this book, which is actually called A Game of Thrones, the first book of the, uh, of the Song of Ice and Fire series, I believe that this was the last of the Song of Ice and Fire books that I read because I did the thing where I just was like, okay, I'm going to start on book two because everyone online is saying that the plot of the show is like pretty similar to book one or whatever. (laughs) So I just like literally skipped to book two and then went back. And I do think that that estimation by people online was wrong, (laughs) to be honest with you. And there actually is a lot of stuff in the book uh, uh, that's not really in the show. Although I will say... Um, as far as the seasons of this show, you know, compare to, you know, their book counterparts, I do actually think this first season is probably like yeah, closest yeah, sure. to its book counterpart. Um, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I went back to reread it. Um, uh, cause you know, it's a, it's a very solid, uh, book and, and there are some, I think kind of like important differences, uh, uh between the book and the show. Um, yeah, I also read the book after the show. I... Uh, I had been watching the show pretty casually uh, for a while. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't read the book actually until you picked it for this episode. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did because I feel like it made, it made, it really made the show like click into place for me. Because uh, like, I feel mm-hmm. like when you watch the show, even though it has a lot of really compelling stuff, there's like such a kind of feeling of like, who's this guy? Who's this new guy? Like, and, uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, with the book, it's a lot easier for it to just like lay out like why you care, why you give a shit about all of these people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the book obviously does a better job of like, you know, making making all these characters feel like they exist in you know not just this moment, but in like a big giant history of this mm-hmm. place. You know, there's like there's a lot, and obviously a lot of this just has to do with the fact that like Martin's prose is you know. Um, it's good, but I would say that, like, Martin can, like, kind of go on long detours, <laughs> right? you know, kind of about, like, the place and the period and stuff like that. Like, I know that, you know, to write these books, he says he was, like, very inspired by just reading, like, direct histories of the Middle Ages, you know? And so, like, when I read things, like, you know, people always talk about these, but the, like, almost page-long descriptions of, like, what is what is being eaten <laughs> at a meal or whatever, that's as funny, you know, not only because George R. R. Martin's a big, funny-looking man in, um, in suspenders <laughs> and everything like that, but also it just feels like, that feels almost like I am just reading one of the history books right. that he read. Like, there are parts in this that... that like stray almost so far from narrative that just feel like like Game of Thrones is interesting because it almost like includes the Silmarillion in the text you know just with like long detours and stuff like yeah. that <laughs> I think it uh, it does a pretty impressive job I think more than other fantasy sci-fi stuff I've read of like making sure you know like why you care about the characters and like what they're doing before it gets into all that stuff because I've definitely, yeah. uh, I've definitely read some books where it's like so exposition heavy up front, and I f- right so much yeah, world building. I think, yeah, I think uh, the the like opening scene where like all the Starks find the direwolves, it does a really good job of like immediately like hitting all the emotions uh, to make yeah. uh, make all the details go down better later. I think. 
well, what's so funny is that it's like George R. R. Martin, like, kind of came out of TV, if I'm not, mm-hmm. if, like, he used to write kind of like little, like, he was a, 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 a script writer, right, you know, I think before he was doing, I'm actually, like, looking this up right now, he sh- sold some short stories, but then, yeah, he did, like, he worked as uh, um, doing, like, science fiction hybrid stuff and did work in television and so i guess to speak to your point i'm like uh yeah he worked on um like the twilight zone and a bunch of and uh uh, he worked on the he worked on max headroom (laughs) as it was already underway and so like i when when you say that i'm like i think martin you know it's a weird series because it is someone almost trying to write you know, poppy and kind of televisionishly, mm-hmm. you know, and then that was like then adapted to television. So like it's a more sort of television-ish novel than you know your J.R.R. Tolkien's and everything like that, because the guy came out of you know television writing, and then you know the Charlatans, Benioff mm-hmm. and Weiss came around and and simply transcribed those back into <laughs> yeah. scripts, uh, and and collected a lot of Emmys for it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's interesting. Like the first thing I thought uh, as I was reading the book in comparison to the show is it just like really hit me that like there's such a stereotype of it being more intellectually difficult to like read a book than watch a TV show. But as I was reading it, I was like, oh, books can just like tell you what's happening. Like so many of these scenes are exactly the same but they hit me a lot more because it will literally just be like she is afraid of this guy because of this thing that happened earlier (laughs) right yeah and 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 i do feel like there is a kind of like directness to to martin's prose that does feel like it actually feels kind of like a hybrid of the two things i was talking about like it feels almost like television script writing but then there's a kind of like you know there is kind of almost like a history book-ishness to the kind of just like telling, you know, without too much flowery language, you know, kind of just what happened, what then happened next. Yeah, for me, I think it's a really good mix in my opinion. I don't, uh, I don't like that much funny business in my prose, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that he he just kind of tells what happens, but then I think... uh, Going back to it being, like you said, kind of like television writing, I think like the dialogue is where you really get like a lot of uh, mm-hmm. poetry and a lot of snappiness. And I think he does a really good job. Um, and the show kind of gets at this just with whose stories we, we, we highlight. But I do like the, the viewpoint characters. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, you know, the, way that the way that he writes the book, like even if you strip away sort of all the fantasy and sci-fi and everything like that, I actually just find it really appealing to have a big, um, massive story being told through the eyes of a couple viewpoint characters and like, you know, the, the will their stories intersect of it all and like kind of, it's so much more pleasing in the book because it's all through viewpoint. Uh, characters when a character from another viewpoint like appears <laughs> and like you get to see someone through like Tyrion's eyes or something like that like they're the, the way the story is told the way Martin like kind of decided to to do this you know uh, um, I think I think is like really appealing and kind of only you know unless you started throwing in like voiceovers or something into the show you can kind of only get that in, in yeah in I totally agree I think uh, they they're so easy to clown on the guys who made the show and I get like a lot of it, but I, know, I do think to an extent, like uh, there is some stuff where it's like, yeah, exactly. Like you said, like, unless you had a lot of like voiceover and title cards, it's just like going to end up right. like being more. Hollow. Well, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll clown on the guys <laughs> that made the show. And of course, you know, but I would not have, if we were making this, like doing this podcast, like in the year after that show had first aired, I would have been like, they're doing a great job adapting it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and now I kind of do after, you know, the, the series, you know, went through all the way to its, to the end. And we saw a lot more invented material mm-hmm. from Benioff and Weiss. Like now I really am like, Oof, I don't know. The, and, and also having read the books, I'm like, man, they you, you can say that they did a good job 
like knowing which parts yeah. to adapt and like they did a good job making it punchier and kind of more television-y sometimes like the dialogue although a lot is lifted directly <laughs> from the book as well um but i think that, you know uh, but as the show continued uh, you know spent like i fell off you know basically when they ran out of uh, mm-hmm. book material i was like they are just flailing and don't know what the fuck they're doing but it feels like the rest of the world caught up with me with that last season and now like you know that was bad enough to like lose them a Star Wars <laughs> yeah. for God's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, one of the things that leapt out for me uh, rewatching the show for the first time after reading the books uh, was realizing in season one like how much of the original material is adding and more fucking. Uh, and I really res- <laughs> well, that's just HBO. Yeah, that's just HBO. <laughs> I, re- I really respect them for that. That's my ideal yeah. book adaptation. Yeah. And the, like the thing is, um, it's it's very easy to make fun of the show for that. But all of those scenes bang, in my opinion. I love Viserys those in the are, bathtub. You know. I love Littlefinger doing his exposition while telling girls how to fuck each other. <laughs> Listen, like you know. HBO has, uh, you know, has one trick up, has a big trick up its sleeve, which is that it is secretly a porno channel. Like, basically, HBO is doing, you know, what the Burt Reynolds character in Boogie Nights wanted to do. (laughs) Like, they actually are making porno that has a compelling enough plot that, like, you know, people take it seriously and everything like that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably going to like the, from what I hear, then I think you'll like the new Lord of the Rings series (laughs) on Amazon, because that's my understanding is it's Lord of the Rings with sex um, there is still a lot of sex in the oh, book yes. though like, <laughs> let's be fair here that there is plenty of sex in the book uh, and a lot of depraved shit in that book and so- sometimes it goes even further you know uh, uh, than the yeah, show did I mean in the book notably so many of them are children which really took me by surprise I mean listen to be honest with you that is one of the things that I'm like, wow, that's a big yeah, change yeah. from the show. And that's a big change, you know? And in some ways, as much as you want to, like, talk about how brutal the world of Game of Thrones is or whatever, like, I don't know. Like, the change from making Daenerys, like, a 13-year-old girl to basically, like, a <laughs> porn star character. Like, yeah. I like, I really think Amelia Clark mm-hmm. is very good in the character or whatever, but, like... It is a very porny, like the way they shoot the sex with with Drogo and everything like that. I'm like, you know, and it is rough. It does come off as rough, but it's like still very like, you know, sexualized in the way it looks. And I'm like, man, (laughs) in the book, this is so much more clearly like horrendous, like rape that this girl is going through and everything like that. And, you know, and also I thought all the Stark kids being younger actually does work for me. Um, And... Again, I, I'm like, I guess that's just one of the things you can't really do on the show because you want to have the same actors, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, throughout. Uh, yeah, I but, think um, Daenerys and Rob are definitely hurt the most in that way because um, mm-hmm. uh, their, their stories are so compelling to have, like, actual children have to face all this stuff. And I feel like Daenerys' mm-hmm. story is strong enough that I think it still sort of works, but Rob, I feel like him just being, like, some adult man now, it's just like, what's wrong <laughs> with you? Just, like, be good at war. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it is, like, it is kind of like, shouldn't you have, like, moved away, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> like, Rob seems like kind of a loser to even, like, still be at the, at the you know, with Winterfell, <laughs> more or less, you know? Like, um, yeah, I agree with you. Rob is kind of goofy uh, in this series, and... To be honest with you, I, I, you know, and they didn't really have to deal with it for that long, but I'm not sure that they ever kind of got Rob right uh, uh, in the TV show. Um, but, you know, I guess they got him right enough. And, you know, just like Benioff and Weiss just like had to kind of keep the sleight of hand going enough to like, you know, to get away with it or whatever. Um, yeah, but Rob, I feel like, you know, was hurt. And I, and I definitely think, you know, I think the dinner story works very well, but, you know, they're in the book it feel it's so much more like this is insane (laughs) what like what the what being a royalty was is insanity is that you would like as a 12 year old be like absconded away by like handlers and then like sold to a slaver you know what i mean like it's just it's like i almost like you know and here's the thing is that the the show ends the way it did and i believe that that is actually based on outline material from george rr martin i do think it would have been done 
done better. Right. But I'm like, you know, Daenerys' story, like, starting where it did and getting getting through where it did and everything. First of all, by the way, they made a big mistake not having Daenerys get mired in Meereen uh, oh, the way yeah. she does in the book. Um, because I think a lot of this stuff that they do better in the book, you know, between Daenerys' story, you know, and where it started and how old she was with Khal Drogo to getting mired in Marine later in the book. I think a lot of that stuff would actually, like, better inform why she decides to, like, just lay siege to mm -hmm. King's Landing. You know what I mean? Like, I really do. And, you know, I think that they really kind of don't really pay any lip service to, like, if Book Daenerys basically can't help <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, Book Daenerys is, like, a, like, survivor, absolutely, and can, like, wage war and everything like that. But it, it is so funny in, I think it's the fifth book, to just watch Daenerys, like, actually be really <laughs> bad at governance. Yeah. <laughs> something I really... <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> uh, something I really sincerely enjoy about Daenerys is that... Um, by book two, she's just, like, starting to talk about, like, I'm the true Targaryen, like, I deserve this and stuff. And it's like, you let Viserys die for having all these opinions, mm -hmm. but you're like, oh, but when I say it, it's kind of true. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I love that. And I do feel like I get why she would think that. Like, obviously, the, like, being burned alive and, like, not dying. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. And I... I love that she's like, you know, the main problem with Viserys wasn't that he's a power-hungry monster. It was just that he's kind of a dweeb, and I'm like this cool yeah. girl, so. Yeah, like, I'm cool. I can actually get it done, and Viserys actually was kind of a whiner. <laughs> yeah. <and sucked. laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, um, you know to, but, but to get back specifically to the first book and the first, you know, season of the show, you know, uh, um, it really is, I you know, because I, I was rewatching like portions of the show and I like glanced through a big outline of the book before doing this again. And I'm like, man, the first season, they really did do a very good job of 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 adapting that book. Like definitely there's stuff missing and there are changes that I that I think are not perfect. But as far as like adaptations go, I'm like the first season of Game of Thrones is actually like very, very solid yeah. actually. You know, as far you know, like seeing the world, seeing like the world as fleshed out as it was, like King's Landing was pretty well fleshed out and well designed and everything. Like, you know, the first the first one to the first show, I'm like, man, Benioff and Weiss were doing a good job back then. They yeah, really were. Yeah, it's funny because it's, like, so sort of easy to shit on it now. But then, like, taking a step back, it was, like, it's so insane that, like, this show exists and that it wasn't, like, a, oh, like, yeah. CW or sci-fi show where it's just, like, them standing in front of green screen. Well, like that, that, that HBO decided that they wanted to do fantasy yeah. at all is so strange to think about. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, HBO before this, weren't they doing, like, Kong yeah. and shit like that? Like, they were still kind of trying to do, like, like kind of bad man, sort of Sopranos-y, you know, anti-hero kind of shows. Like, they were just, like, seeking that high over and over and over again. And it, it really does feel like, you know, Game of Thrones, like, for better or worse, like has completely like uh, uh, like rewritten what HBO's like even like the like the DNA yeah, of HBO, and even, like, you know, because now it's all this golden <laughs> compass shit and it's so much fantasy and stuff now. Other networks too, like just like the amount that people will now spend on making a show like Vikings or something, which is like it's so weird yeah. that now that like looks really good and like you know. You're seeing that on, like, uh, cable fantasy shows. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I, and, and it does feel like I'm, like, I look at HBO now, and I'm, like, even, like, Watchmen feels like that's, like, something that wouldn't happen in a sort of pre-Game of Thrones universe, you know. Lovecraft Country is very sci-fi uh, uh, stuff, like. And now, obviously, they're going to be doing, like, all, you know, a whole bunch of new uh, uh Game of Thrones stuff, prequel series, Duncan Egg, and all the fucking you know Targaryen uh, uh, stuff, you know. So I guess HBO really, really just this is their sort of franchise for the time being. I did you watch? Did you see the new Space? No, Jam I haven't. There is so much Game of Thrones stuff in it. Like it really made me feel like I was like, wow, like like Warner Brothers really does think of this as like one of their main franchises right now like there was as much there was more Game of Thrones stuff in that than, than there was Harry Potter I swear like you know uh, 
Um, and it is a weird one to think of as a franchise because it's based <laughs> on an un- incomplete book <laughs> series. There's no more like source material to work from, even though the guy is still kind of working on it. Um, and it, it's not currently airing on television. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it is truly strange to me that for this ended show, there's so much of it in the children's <laughs> cartoon with LeBron James. <laughs> um, s- sort of story-wise, uh, what were some of like the omissions that like stuck out to you the most in season one? I mean, I think uh, if I'm remembering correctly, there were some sort of hints at the mystical mm. that uh, uh, were not really there in season one. Uh, even though it kind of doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really end up being, like, resolved that satisfyingly or anything. But there was the, like, comet across the sky that I think that we started getting, like, talking about that in book one. And there was a lot of talk about this comet searing across the sky. Um, And I'm I'm pretty sure they don't touch on that at all in the first season. Like... Um, uh, and I believe that they like started in the second season kind of getting into that and then you start getting into the Melisandre stuff and everything like that but you know I, I think that they were so hesitant uh, um, to have any kind of like uh, uh, sort of high fantasy mm-hmm. stuff in it in that first season um, really outside of um, outside of the direwolves and you really only get like a little hint at that like the wolf, the direwolves are like you know, very much just wolf size for the entire time, but you do get a small hint in that first episode, I think, because you see the uh, the corpse uh, of their parent, uh, of the, like, dead uh, dire wolf. But, you know, other than that, I don't have any, like, huge things that I remember being super different. What about you? Um, yeah, there wasn't... I don't think there was a lot of, like, big story stuff that bothered me. It was mostly stuff like... Uh, like, we were talking about, like, Rob being aged up, uh, I thought, like, made you lose yeah. a lot. Um, another thing, like, I, normally I think it's, like, really nitpicky to harp on casting, but the one thing that did really bother me is the first scene where he sees Gendry, who literally, like, does not look like Robert at all. I was like, what is, <laughs> like, he immediately, like, looks at Gendry and is like, oh, and I was just like, what wow. even is this scene? Like, it's like a redheaded, Truly. blue-eyed kid. It's really weird. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of forgot all about <laughs> Gendry, but, yeah, that, and also, I mean, the series kind of forgets about Gendry, yeah. too, you know? <laughs> Uh, that is very funny, though. Yeah, there's some, you know, I, I do think the aging up, I don't know how if you could have done yeah. it better. And definitely they wanted to portray, they want to show Daenerys mm-hmm. having sex. It's a, an HBO show, and, you know, that's part of the fun. Yeah, I don't know how um, if she, like, was, if she's, like, supposed to still be really young, because there is, like, a weird line when Viserys sees her in the pilot, he's like, you have a woman's body now. And you're like looking at Amelia Clark and you're like, yeah, no shit. Like, has he yeah, been saying like, this to her like for like five years? 20 yeah. F- yeah, like she's like in her <laughs> mid twenties and like obviously yeah. works out. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, uh, uh, overall though, I'd say, and I would not say this, you know, about anything past certainly, certainly the second or third season. I think that this is a, a pretty good television adaptation of of uh the book a game of thrones (laughs) you know what i mean like i think that you know this kind of gets you a lot of the beats and characters that you know and there's really not a lot missing um in this in this first book and and you know i ultimately think that i'm like they just you know uh, um this is this was one of the best this is probably the first three seasons were the time of benioff and weiss's yeah. life when they were just doing because listen it is actually a talent oh, to adapt sure. you know what i mean and like they are very and i make fun of these guys but they are very talented at adaptation and it's very clear that it's very clear from those first three seasons that they're very talented at adaptation but you know i think one is maybe although you know getting up to like the red wedding and stuff like that it was very very funny because i read ahead of time and i also knew what the fan reaction (laughs) was when that happened and i was like they really did it like actually benny often weiss like pulled off on all of america what like these readers of a song of ice and fire (laughs) had experienced like everybody did get super pissed (laughs) off about it and it was very brutal you know um 
but yeah, I'm like, I think that maybe this first one just is 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 one of the sort of tighter adaptations that I've seen, especially for a book uh, you know as big as uh, a Game of Thrones. You really don't feel like it's missing because this one doesn't even have like that much stuff with like Benjamin Stark and the Night King and all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of that. You know, even George R. R. Martin wasn't really front-loading a lot of the fantasy elements, you know. Um, um, but, yeah, I think it's a pretty solid season of TV um, and reminds me, yeah, it remind, It just feels very, feels so, so, like, direct <laughs> of an adaptation. You know, it's almost hard to find yeah, fault. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's um, It does a good job of being, like, a really, really faithful adaptation, which is usually not really my favorite style of doing it like mm-hmm. um usually i'm sort of like you know it's a different medium you should take yeah yeah different yeah. um but i'm not sure really in this case like exactly what i would do different other than possibly have just like a king's landing show where there's you know stories every episode with these characters and it's not even trying to you know have the straightforward right. story of the not series trying to do yeah. the plot at all yeah 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 yeah, you know, uh, uh, listen, I'm with you. I actually prefer an episodic kind of show, and I do think it's more fun to just let the characters have stories in a show or whatever. But if we're looking at kind of like, you know, the peak of extremely serialized <laughs> yeah, yeah. television, I'm like, you know, this certainly feels like it like deserved it and earned it in kind of a way and still worked really well week to week, you know, because of the kind of, you know, I think George R. R. Martin writes a pretty good soap yeah, opera. Sure. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these chapters have cliffhangers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, uh, um, um, and so yeah, I think it kind of had a fun televisioniness, and also you know just the 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 straight up like actually very good gimmick of like you know undercutting expectations in a way in ways that are really really significant you know what i mean like i what made me feel like oh i need to read this whole book series is they really (laughs) killed ned i was like holy fuck they like really did it they cut the man's fucking head off in like the second to last episode i was like i actually love this series it's so funny (laughs) i never experienced that like when it had um it had this reputation as like killing off your favorite characters um, people like Ned and Rob were so fucking boring to me. I just like never even thought about that. Like, I- <laughs> so listen, I just did not. I didn't know this mm. reputation, you know, because I was watching the show like oh, when yeah. it was just first airing on HBO, and so I was just kind of like, you know, I really found it appealing. The like, if you're an honorable person, you're stupid and you <laughs> yeah. get fucked over. <laughs> like, I kind of like, I really like the how, like, I and I did have the rug pulled out from under me just with like Ned being so much the normal protagonist and saying all this stuff about honor and feeling like, oh, you know, the honorable man wins in the end. I really was like, wow, this show like really is like, no, they <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the like. There are so many, like, this show has too many white brunette men, I think, because I, like, literally could not tell anyone apart the first (laughs) time I watched it. So I was, like, like, I was really into Cersei, because that's, like, a distinctive character. You're right away, like, great. I know who she is. I know what she wants. Great. Um, And, like, hearing people talk about sort of, like, Ned being the protagonist and Cersei being the villain, I was kind of, like why like she just wants to she wants Ah. to rule like everybody else i'm so much more invested in cersei than anyone else and kind of like (laughs) reading the book and like seeing who the pov characters are definitely helped a lot with like sorting stuff out because i think if you just watch it as like whoever like leaps out to me as interesting is right i mean it is like it is true it's like you know who cares about like whether the the guy in the north is in charge or yeah. you know what i mean like i kind of agree with you in the sense that it's like you're watching all this and you're like well like is it better that the big fat drunk king <laughs> is in charge you know like should should sourpuss you know ned stark be in charge of everything like i kind of like that's also like what I found appealing about the show is you're kind of watching it and you're like, oh, what a brutal world. I don't even like yeah. Ned that much. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> like, what the fuck is going to happen? In yeah, this show? I love the thing of like Ned's downfall just being going super hard for Stannis for like no good reason. Because like. Also, Stannis's claim is not even correct. You know what I mean? Like, what an <laughs> yeah. idiot. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And that felt. 
that felt very like real to me of sort there's sort of like an almost like Biden supportery feel to that of just being like, well, this is who it should be. And we all have to get in line when it's just like clearly not going to go your way. Right, right. It's his yeah. turn. It's his turn. You know, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, uh, um, Ned is a believer in like the rule of law in a way that I don't like agree with. And I do think it's funny. Like the show kind of ends up taking the stance of like, yeah, well, this is not actually a world of laws. You know what I mean? Like you can say what's written on the parchment and, you know, have your battles and everything like that. I also just really like, you know, the kind and this is, you know, maybe a little bit better in the books because the show just is, you know, very clean and kind of shot, you know, in, in beautiful spaces outdoors and everything like that. But there's like a griminess and a like it would really suck to <laughs> yeah, live like yeah. this ness in the books. You know what I mean? Like it really kind of especially like King's Landing we get to see is like just like squalid, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and horrible. Um yeah, uh, um yeah, I, I you know, I, I basically I'm kinda like it is a weird one because you're like there aren't any huge changes to like even really say whether they were that good or bad despite the aside from like the aging up of the characters but i would say i'm like if you're a fan of game of thrones especially if you like those early seasons you really it is worth reading oh, the book sure, like yeah. there is there is a lot more like deeper stuff the characters are better realized yeah, you know yeah, some of the some of the trims they made are not good to be honest yeah, with you yeah and i think this is sort of something that is almost like inevitable and naturally happens with tv and movies but like the characters are so much less vulnerable and i think that is sort of like yeah. such a common thing of like sort of when you see someone on the screen and they're played by this beautiful charismatic actor and stuff you uh, right. inevitably sort of like lose a lot oh. of that stuff well, to be honest with you, that's a big change we didn't talk about, to be honest with you, is, uh, and this is a change throughout the book, is Tyrion is described right. as actually being freakish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the show, and, and, and you know, uh, he's really great uh, uh, in the role yeah, and it, everything like that. Yeah, it stunned me uh, when the book said he was ugly, because Peter Dinklage is, like, one of the most handsome actors on the I planet. Mean, it, and the thing is, that, like, Peter Dinklage, you couldn't even see anyone else right, in that right, role. Yeah. And it's like that he, like, made it so his own and everything. And, you know, he's this very, like, oh, he's almost like James yeah. Bond <laughs> as a dwarf, as a dwarf. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, he's so debonair and charming. But that's a big change from the book. And that's a huge change to Tyrion's yeah. character, you know, in an interesting way, too. It's like Tyrion in the book is still very intelligent and is still like you know as smart as he is in the show and as much a manipulator as he is in the show but is you know more twisted yeah. and they described as having like a high-pitched voice and like multicolored hair and all this kind of stuff and it is <laughs> such a change to like would you like another glass of wine yeah, it's funny that, like, like, they yeah. literally had to like add in a part when when Sansa's talking to Marjorie and she's talking about how horrible marrying Tyrion would be like Marjorie literally says like why he's hot like <laughs> Yeah, he looks yeah. good, actually. He's cool. He loves to drink wine. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, another character where I feel like that's a big thing is Arya. Um, I feel like mm -hmm. in the show, I like her, but it's very sort of, I thought, generic, like, kick-ass, like, tomboy. Um it's tough, yeah, yeah. In the in the in the book too, especially, you know, you get a better sense of where Arya's place yeah. is, kind of within the family, and these pressures to be more feminine. And yeah, everything in like the that. in the book, you see so much more because you get her in her life of her just being like genuinely like jealous of Sansa and like sort of feeling yeah. like why why can't I be more like Sansa? And I think they flattened a lot of that stuff out. There's like the one really great moment when um when Ned is like you know, you'll marry a great lord and you'll have these babies where Arya's like, no, that's not me, which I do think is a great moment in the show, but she still says it, like, really confidently and is so, like, self-possessed. Yes. It is a lot more in the book like she doesn't she doesn't want to be this way you know what i mean like in the show it's very much like i'm just a kick-ass yeah, little yeah. girl like you said you know and in the in in the book it is a lot more like i wish i could be why can't i be like sansa like why am i different or whatever and then you know that continues in the tv series you know i, I think aria if we're talking about the later seasons and the later books i'm like i think the the trims made to like Arya's story like make it make zero sense at all <laughs> yeah. pretty much you know like Arya in the books 
does become kick-ass, but also becomes, like, very complex and is, like, a yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Arya becomes, like, an assassin and, like, a very complex character who, like, does some killings that aren't so yeah. good. You know what I mean? Like, Arya becomes, like, scary in the in the book and almost, like, you sense in the book that, like, people wouldn't, like, recognize her yeah. anymore. And people even, I think, don't at certain points, like, recognize her, you know, from her time before. And in the series, it's just like, Arya's <laughs> back, and now she's good with knives. Like... <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me think of uh, Daenerys in the books, too. Uh, it was really striking uh, when I started Clash of Kings... And it talks about how she's like bald because all her hair burned off and she's going around like uh-huh. wearing like a lion carcass head on her head. And it's so funny that instead <laughs> it's like, what if it was like Amelia Clark in full makeup and like a nice dress? Yeah. And and sometimes she's topless. <laughs> so that would be that'll be fun, too. You know, but yes, no, like it is very much in the series. It's it's just a lot prettier. You know, and this is a, this is a small change I think that George R. R. Martin complained <laughs> about, but it's one that you got to think about is that um, in the show they never use helms, uh, and that is not only like they don't cu- oh, wear helmets, okay, yeah. uh, uh, and in the book they're always wearing helmets, and in fact you even like that's why the hound is like called the hound because his like helm oh. is like in the shape of like a barking dog or something like that. Like people get known by like their helms in the book and in the show you don't want to hide all your beautiful actors faces and you want to show them emoting and everything like that but you know aside from it being unrealistic like it is hilarious to watch all these like just hand-to-hand fights where everyone is in full armor except for their heads (laughs) their heads are just completely uncovered but you do lose some of the like you know the like knight-ish you know like why how people thought of knights in the real world they're like holy shit that's the hound and you just see basically like Darth Vader you know what I mean with like a big hound head on or whatever and similarly to the Daenerys thing is like you know you don't want Daenerys walking around with a wolf (laughs) carcass on her head because then you don't get to see you know Emily Amelia Clark's eyes oh uh yeah I was gonna say about Arya um like I know they're never gonna get like casting perfect and it's still to be nitpicky about it but um i did really love the detail in the books that she is the only kid besides john who looks a lot like ned and so she like grew up wondering if she was also a bastard um and in general i think the the bond between Arya and john was a lot more clear in the book than on the show Mm -hmm. um i like they had such a nice scene together in the beginning of the book and I think it is in the show, but it was, like, shallow enough that when I read it in the book, I was like, oh, did they ever interact? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I guess I would agree with that, actually. You know, the sort of the, like, outsiders of the family. You, like, don't really get a huge sense uh, uh, or or see them together They kind of cast it in a way where actually, like, Sansa is the outsider for looking like her mom. Um, Rob Uh and John, I could not tell apart the first time I watched it. They're so similar. (laughs) Me neither. You just are kind of like, these are the sons, you know, I (laughs) guess. Um, Like you said earlier, I feel like I did actually get a much better sense of who all the characters are after I read the book. And not like their internal monologue. Right, yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, if, if people have watched the, the series and like it, you know, then you probably would like very much like the books and they are a nice, thick read too. I like a big <laughs> chunk of, uh, of reading to do. And, uh, you know, the, the Song of Ice and Fire books are, are certainly very yeah. long, uh, and appealing. Yeah, I don't think I had ever read a book this long before, but it does, it really doesn't feel tiresome. The second one got I got more bored but I think the first one mm-hmm. is like truly really exciting the whole way through and really a page turner yeah there's a uh version and I did this in my like reread of the books um but uh just to put it out there you know the fourth book a feast for crows is kind of weirdly just only about people I think in the south like in the in the southern part of Westeros um there's a custom made like online version where people have like ordered all the chapters like and put in all the dance with dragons <laughs> chapters uh, so if you were if you or anyone wanted to do a rewrite look up a feast with dragons where they like chron- chronologically sort of recobble um, and I think it actually is 
a better read. Oh, wow. <laughs> like when I uh, when I reread it, I actually think A Feast with Dragons works better than the way George R. R. Martin did by like removing the you know the characters and just releasing like a half book mm. or whatever. Um, when you uh, so you said the first book was actually the last book you read what was kind of that like uh finally reading a game of thrones after watching the show and reading the other books see i hadn't i hadn't finished the entire show at that point so i think i finished i read all the books i think between season one and season two and then i feel like it was probably around season two that i like just reread one or or, you know i did a reread of the books at a certain point so maybe it was a couple years later actually um so, you know, the experience was that basically I was well, I mean, I, it was interesting because I've read all the other books. Mm-hmm. And so I was more like interested. Just it was interesting. It's like I actually have never you know, I actually wish that I had read all the books in right. the first time because I've like I've like never read the first book as a yeah, first yeah. book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was kind of like it's like, like sandwiched in there between me reading like the fifth book and then me reading like the second book again and also watching the TV series and everything like that. Um, I don't know. I guess I wish I hadn't read it that way, but I don't have any like huge headlines for, you know, uh, uh, different ways uh, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, interacted with it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, I guess like as more and more stuff with this franchise comes out, there's going to be so many different ways to experience it. There's going to probably be lots of people who like played a video game first and then like later read the books. Yeah. Um, or like, uh, um, like, uh, um, honestly, like probably we'll have watched these like weird prequel series that have to like have nothing, um, you know, that are not even like based on anything George R. R. Martin <laughs> right, wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or maybe, you know, it's going to be, you know, people have different ways of coming to it, you know, uh, as time goes on. I wonder if George and a lot of people have different opinions about this. I, I somehow in my heart do believe that he'll finish the book if only out of spite <laughs> just to like show us you know how it could have ended better yeah. or whatever but maybe that's just me being a little too uh overly hopeful or something yeah like that. in some ways i would like him to there's also like an extent to me that i feel like um part of me is like you know, when you write a fantasy series like this, you just kind of want to, like, live in the world. And the fact that, like, it took off so much that so many people started approaching it as, like, this is a story and I want to know how the story ends, I feel, like, almost bad for him because I do feel like so many sci-fi and fantasy writers just, like, you know, want to put out a hundred stories that are just, like, in this world without being beholden right. to, like, ending it. And I also think, like... There's, there's a real difficulty with ending it because such of the big theme of the series is that line of, like, you know, people care about, like, being able to get food and, like, having a nice summer. They don't care who sits on the throne. But then when people are talking about the ending, they're like, okay, who's going to sit on the throne? And it's like, there's not a good answer to that. Like, that's the whole thing of the series is that there's not, like, really a good answer to that question. Right. Yeah. No. And that's also like that has been the kind of push and pull with fans of the books and then fans of the show and George R. R. Martin, who just is openly like a a guy that says he doesn't really outline. <laughs> yeah. Like he just is like and, and honestly, I think he's like kind of good to be I'm like, you know, I actually do think, you know, George R. R. Martin is very, very. And, and the book and the show, you know, it's like. What we like about this is that George R. R. Martin is putting these characters in situations and then truly thinking about what it would take to like right, get out yeah. of that situation and not doing deus ex machina shit, not having stuff be convenient for the characters. In fact, never missing an opportunity to make things like less convenient for the characters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, you know, we see what it's like on Game of Thrones when they're like, let's just go plot mm-hmm. only and like get the beats done and get it over. And that looks like what the last season of the show looks like. Like that's why I feel like the show started to ring hollow to people is you're like, the rules of this universe have mm-hmm. changed. Like things are now easy for these characters in a way that they were never supposed to be easy. Like this is supposed to be a hard world. And while all these plot beats like work, you know, on paper, you know, it just doesn't feel like the rules are being followed here and things are, you know, as brutal and unkind as 
they're supposed right. to be. And I think, you know, that's also the problem that George R. R. Martin came to is that he's like, man, like, how the hell do you get all these characters together? Like, I started Daenerys all the way over in, you know, this other continent, and we need Daenerys to get to a point. He was originally going to do a time jump, mm. like do a Dragon Ball Z-style time jump, I think, after, you know, the third book, and then just decided that he wanted to actually write through it and show Arya becoming an assassin instead of just, like, cut to Arya's an assassin now or whatever. But that significantly lengthened the books, and I don't know. I hope he finishes them i hope he finishes them in a way that is that that is like acceptable to him you know what i mean like i don't need to have the big bow on everything even if the ending is just like and so then things continue you know what i mean like i i you know i want him to like finish the series on on his terms and i don't really need you know the ending or like everything tied up but i would like to see what he's got to say about you know daenerys you know and like i i love all these characters and i love the way he wrote them and all that and i don't think we really got that ending on tv and i'm not just complaining about the events of it i'm like talking about like being i don't know um honoring the characters yeah. you know actually seeming like you give a shit and understand these characters you know yeah, what I mean? a lot of like, the sort of like <laughs> specifics uh don't don't seem like they would matter like uh, when when people say it was based on like outlines of his notes it's like i can easily imagine a version where like bran does become king but there's like a sense of like that's gonna last like a week and then people are well i mean there's also like you know they went to coffee with george R. R. martin like 10 years ago you know what i mean and and george is like okay here are kind of the broad strokes i'm working toward you know what i mean he's like okay like the night king is gonna invade and that's gonna be really bad and the wall will fall um daenerys finally gets to king's landing and like she is just mad like the other targaryens are and like raises the entire place like i'm like all these beats feel like they could make sense but you just can't rush through them in like a season. Like I actually, in, like I think George R. R. Martin is correct that he's like he discovered he's like sadly I need to write like five more <laughs> right. books for this to like for me to like earn these moments. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we need to see how these characters get there so much more, uh, or else it won't be satisfying and it will just feel like the show did. Like we, you know, are suddenly the books being ended as a NaNoWriMo <laughs> or something. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, it's funny because like in tv world it seems like such an obvious of like the show like went on way too long because everyone was like sick of it but then sort of like when you take take a step back and look at like just the story and ignore like actors having contracts and all this stuff it's like oh maybe it should have been like way longer so we get to see like aria in her 30s and then it'll make sense i I literally do yeah. feel that way. I, I And also, they, in their final seasons, they were like, we want less episodes. Right. <laughs> I was like, that was the moment for me when, like, I read that they were like, we're actually only going to do 10 where we used to do 16 or something like that or whatever. Maybe it was, like, 8 from 10 or something. I was like, oh, you are frauds. <laughs> like, I, I truly felt like I was like, you guys are frauds. Like, you're trying to get this done so quick so no one will notice, <laughs> like, that you really had nothing up your sleeves here or whatever. You know what I mean? But... For the creators of Game of Thrones to be like, we need less time, I'm like, oh, you're the wrong guys. You're the wrong guys for it. You know what I mean? Like, And, you know, George R. R. Martin, while not being, like, super obnoxious about it, has been like, that's not the story that way it would have gone. You know? It's not exactly how it Yeah, and I mean, I think that is such a, like, common thing if you, like, know writers, like, you know, we all have friends who are writers and like sometimes you like meet with your friend and they tell you their idea for their pilot and you're like, what? That's nothing. And then like they send it to you and you read it and are like, oh, okay. Like now I get why that's oh, interesting. it's beautifully written. Yeah. It meant something to you and you had these big ideas and everything like that. You know, yeah, I think it is like, I'm sure that, I'm sure a lot of this stuff is true. Like we all know that the, the you know, Rhaegar and Lyanna, like with that all did come from uh, George R. R. Martin that, you know, there's an argument that Jon Snow is the actual, you know, uh, uh, real heir to the Iron Throne or whatever. Like, all this kind of stuff did come from George R. R. Martin. I just think it didn't happen satisfyingly on the show. That's all. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real trade-off with, like, obviously it's great that it's an HBO show because it's so expensive and has great a great cast and, like, all this fucking. Right. Um, but, like... <laughs> I, it would be kind of fun to imagine it as like 
if for some reason NBC during that period when they were trying to make ambitious shows like Heroes like did Game of Thrones and it was like 22 episodes for like 13 years I'm like could I could uh-huh. see that being a good thing because it would be made by those sort of like obsessive people of like okay for this filler episode we can do this cool thing with these characters and stuff and it would be you know such a different approach from it being like a super expensive eight to ten episodes every two years mm-hmm yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have minded seeing this, even the sci-fi yeah, channel version of Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the lot of standing sets, you know, version uh, of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, I, I think that kind of speaks to just like how compelling the world actually is, you know. And while there's this version that is very much, you know, just trying to sort of, you know, directly adapt what happened in the books like it maybe this will work as a franchise for warner just because the the world of game of thrones is quite compelling and does feel you know kind of different enough in a way that um i think a lot of fantasy hasn't ever felt different enough from lord of the rings kind of since lord of the rings and you know i somehow Aside from, you know, Harry Potter, which I don't even really count as fantasy, it feels like Game of Thrones is like the first one to kind of take the mantle of being different enough (laughs) from Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, uh, to sustain a franchise. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, (coughs) curious about all the prequels. I know they have one from uh, the Gotham guy, which... I'm excited about because I feel like if there's someone to just like throw a world at someone and be like, here, just like do some <laughs> stuff, make the characters weird. Yeah, see what, see what yeah. you want to do. Yeah, have a good time. You know, I really have no idea. I've, have you read any of the of the prequel like Mm-mm. book stuff? There's a couple short stories that are called uh, the Adventures of Dunk and Egg, and they take they're like a lot more sort of traditional adventure kind of just stories in, you know. You know, what's one thing that's funny about Game of Thrones, uh, and I said this a lot early when the show was airing, is that it kind of reminds me of Watchmen in the sense that it's one, it's based, it's like kind of like, what if, what if we were toward the like after the time mm. of heroes in a yeah, fictional yeah. universe. You know what I mean? Like Watchmen is kind of in the aftermath of there was a golden era of all these superheroes and now we're back in the real world. Like that's also kind of how Game of Thrones feels. Like when you hear about how, you know, there were the Targaryens ruling and they were flying around on dragons all the time and there were all <laughs> these dragons, you know, constantly, you know, and wars and now we're just kind of like in this shitty period where humans are in charge and it's just some big fat guy who is the best at like <laughs> yeah. fighting that is in charge you know it's like it just feels very like you know it's kind of like if you came back to lord of the rings and it was just like everybody's shitty <laughs> yeah. kids you know like we're in charge <laughs> yeah that's so true <laughs> so i don't know maybe the prequel series will work and you know you know in the same way that i think duncan egg kind of felt a little more traditional fantasy-ish maybe these uh, prequel series will work just as kind of, you know, like fantasy series, you know, even without the kind of uh, sheen of, of, uh, of m- you know, modernity and violence and everything, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so who was uh, your favorite character when you watched the show and then uh, did that change when you, watch- when you read the book? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. You know... Probably my favorite character, if I'm remembering correctly, probably would have been Tyrion in that first season. Because Tyrion just, like, you know, Dinklage is just, like, doing the role of a lifetime there and so charming. Yeah, I had been such... Pre-Game of Thrones, I was a really big Peter Dinklage fan, which is, like, a miserable experience because it's, like, the station (laughs) agent is great and then everything else is just, like, Hollywood having no idea what to do with him. And, yeah, it does feel like such a miracle that he got this part that was so perfect. It's true. It's true. And, you know, and honestly feels really well deserved. It's like part of why I don't have a big issue with the like he was supposed to be malformed of it all, because I'm like, you know, Peter, Peter, uh, Peter Dinklage absolutely deserved his, you know, his Picard, basically. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, this is like Peter Dinklage's Picard. He got to do it for like seven seasons. It's like a defining role that also is very kick ass, like, and cool to people. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe in in the book, you know, I had already come to kind of like a lot of the other characters and everything, you know, uh, um, by um, 
But I don't know. In the book, I, I, I don't know if it was, it was my favorite character, but I definitely did find Daenerys's story kind of more yeah, arresting yeah. in the book uh, than I did. Uh, well, in the series, you're just like wow this is like really metal <laughs> or something but in the book i really did like kind of feel for this like sex trafficked mm -hmm. young girl yeah. a lot more than kind of the show makes you feel you know yeah the the book does such a good job of those of the like sort of gradual character development of her just being kind of like is Viserys like a terrible ruler is it like i love <laughs> i feel like one thing i really like about it is like you see a lot of plots of like standing up to your abuser but what i love about this one is her just like seeing Viserys and being like oh i'm embarrassed for him now like he's like pathetic <laughs> and like laughable um yeah i i, I you know i you know i i do think that the daenerys story felt a little more like fully fleshed out also i think if i'm remembering correctly you spend a little more time with them like before she even gets sold to mm -hmm. Cal Drogo. And there's a little bit of weirdness with like the advisors, yeah. like shuffling them around to like someone's weird villa and all this shit. Yeah. And I think she's more active. Like there are, there's scenes where like random death Rocky are like telling Viserys, like you can't ride, you have to walk where in the book it was Daenerys. And it, it sort of made sense. Like, uh, pacing wise because they have to have like a Daenerys scene in every episode and they can't have her like yeah. suddenly be super developed but it was like a little disappointing that we had to have so much like of her being more passive on the show right yeah yeah I agree with that yeah um, but you know overall I do think it's a, a pretty well adapted uh, uh, first season um, from the uh, uh, from the book um, alright do you want to uh, end by uh rating uh the, sh the show and the book sure yeah you know um i would have to say you know the first season of the show uh you know kind of ap like not sort of thinking about anything that happened <laughs> yes. later in the show and you know by by the lost metric yeah. or whatever i'm like i actually do give season one game of thrones like an eight or nine out of ten mm -hmm. i really do um and uh yeah, um, and the book, I, I think I maybe even have to go, like, I have to give, like, a solid nine to the book or something, because I just, you know, I think George R. R. Martin is a very solid writer, and uh, it is a very good kind of introduction to the world of, uh, uh, of Westeros. Uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give the book an eight out of ten. It was just a really good, uh, good experience. I was never bored when I read it, and uh, it made me giggle a lot. It has great social commentary uh yeah uh yeah. all around great experience uh and then i would give the show uh i think like a six out of ten it's it's really uh fun uh and like really well done um it's just like uh for me didn't have like enough enough like depth to be more than a six out of ten but it is like a really great show to just like uh throw on and just like have on and be walking around and be like, oh, this is, like, a great scene. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I like to end with a recommendation. Um, and so since I liked the book better, uh, I'm going to recommend a show for fans of the book. Uh, I'm going to recommend the short-lived NBC show Kings, uh, which mm. is a show that sort of imagines this country that's, like, a monarchy but is also sort of the U.S., and is similar to Game of Thrones and that it's just like a lot of attractive people scheming and uh, it's uh, a great watch that I'm sure is probably on Peacock. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's really <laughs> quick fun. It watch. looks kind of funny that an Ian McShane uh, American Kings show. <laughs> I love it. I never even heard of this before. Yeah, it rocks. It looks wild. Uh, Good times. You want to recommend a show for fans of the book? For fans of the book, you know, I just don't know that much... Uh, um, you know like high fantasy kind of stuff i i tried to watch tutors after this and i i can't highly recommend it because i didn't watch it very much but it's like literally the only <laughs> other one i can think of so uh you know what um i don't know maybe watch the dune sci-fi series which was also a nice uh a decent adaptation uh of when, a book <laughs> what year was that i don't know about this 
There's a Dune sci-fi miniseries that I think is like better than the Dune, um, than like the Dune movie or different. You know, obviously the David Lynch Dune is its own weird thing, but yeah, there was a year 2000. Oh, um, you know, three-part <laughs> miniseries. They also did Children of Dune, I think. Uh, like it went kind of far, actually. Um, I think that. I don't know. I kind of liked the, the, the year 2000 sci-fi channel nice. Dune. I gotta watch that. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah. This was a blast. Everyone can follow me at Lenny Burnham and follow the podcast at Chapter Surfing. And please check out all the other podcasts on the Major Cast Network. Uh, Jack, you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, check out uh, if you like um, you know me talking about TV shows and movies. We do that a lot on uh, the podcast Struggle Session, um, which you can find at uh, sesh dot plus. You know, just put that into your browser sesh dot plus, and you'll get all that information. And I also do a morning show uh, every day, uh, every weekday on Twitch, uh, and where we just talk about pop uh, culture and politics and topical stuff. And uh, that's at twitch tv slash jackam. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Chapter Surfing. falsehoods do you want to learn the not truths do you want to go to hell join eric mcadams alea Lockney, and liam senior as they go to hell we are experts <laughs> is a podcast on the major cast network each episode we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content and then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end but not too much just a little tune into we are experts wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.